Fawn, you can do better than that. Come on, make some noise like you're glad to be in church. Like we serve an awesome God. Hey, welcome uh, every location, Westerville, Shore North, Hilliard. Glad you're here. Every guest walking through our doors for the first time. It is an honor to serve you. Truly it is. And to the men and women joining us at two correctional facilities. Come on, church, put your hands together. Welcome. Welcome. We are, uh, we are in week three of a series that we've been in now studying the book of Jonah. It's only a, a four-chapter book in the Bible, but it packs a punch. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good, good stuff in this, in this book. So we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3 today. If you have your Bible and you'd like to turn there, we're going to read the entire third chapter together in just a moment. And uh, I, I wanted to say this as, as I was thinking about uh, the message today and, and just the series and so much of what we do together as a church. You know, how, how many of you would say that the first time you heard the story of Jonah was like in, in some sort of kids' church or Sunday school or something? Raise your hand. I'm just, I'm just curious. Put, put it up high. Okay, there's a good, good number of hands. Hi, thank you. Thank you. How many of you were looking around when, when people raised their hands and thought you'd see more hands? Anybody thought you'd see more hands? I, I, here, here, here's why I, I, I point that out. There, there was a lot of hands, but if you notice, there was a lot of not hands too. And um, one of the things I love about this church is even though there, there are a lot of people who, you know, heard this story back in kids' church, you know what Sunday school is all about or kids' church, whatever. A, a lot of people in this church have begun a personal relationship with Jesus, not, not as a child in kids' church, but, but as an adult. And um, I, I think we need to celebrate the work of Jesus in the church. Come on, somebody, because because that's just not normal. Y'all know that once you be, you know, you enter your 20s and then into your 30s and beyond, most people, their mind's made up. And uh, most people of faith begin at a very early age, which is, it is, it is why we, we spend so much time ministering to our children. And it's why we've got, you know, uh, uh, just a giant staff for our kids and our, our youth department, because we, we, we believe in you raise a child up in the way he should go, she should go. And when, when they are old, they will not depart. You show them what truth looks like. You show them who Jesus is. And though they might wander a bit on their way, figuring stuff out on their own, they're all, they always come back. Like your, your kids are coming back. If you got a kid that's outside the family right now, I'm telling you, you raise them right. You show them who Jesus is, they're coming back, amen? Because you, you, you can run, but you can't hide from God. You can try, but you can't, it, it just doesn't work. But I also just get excited about the fact that some of you are here today because uh, somebody invited you and you said yes. And uh, you're looking around like you're not sure what you just said yes to. You know what I'm saying? Like this is new to you. And, um, and so many people, what God is doing in this generation and in our city right now and just in the church is, is so incredible because the Holy Spirit is taking a hold of people's hearts so powerfully and so... Um, it, it just, it, it, it's beyond anything that I could have ever dreamed what we're seeing in this nation. And, and I, know, I know the days seem dark, and uh, there is a lot of darkness in the world right now. But there's a whole lot of light shining bright. Come on, church. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of good. And I, I just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that, that we're reaching people. I'm grateful that, that so many, even though you might not have been to, to, to Sunday school as a kid, Jesus has got hold of your heart. And I, I'm grateful that some of you are here today. You don't even know what that means, but he's about to take hold of your heart as well. And uh, 
as, as we study this book, I think it's important to, to understand some context. Jonah is a, is a prophet in the, the Old Testament, and he, he's remembered as the reluctant prophet because he was reluctant to follow God. This one time, Jonah's reluctant to do what God tells him to do. And so instead of doing what God said to do, he, he runs in the opposite direction. And in this, this, this four-chapter book in the Old Testament, it's just a few pages long, but it's a book. The entirety of this book is all about Jonah's one big regret in his life. Like the entire book is about the one time that he decides not to trust the Lord. And, and I got to thinking about you and, and I, I got to thinking about sometimes how I feel and, and what it would be like if, if someday there would be a book written about your life, whether it's four pages, 40 pages or 400 pages, but if there was one book written about your life and it had your first and last name on it, and the entirety of the book about your life, it really wasn't about your life, it was about the one thing that you did in your life that you wish you'd never done. Come on. The one label that you either put on yourself or the one, one label that was put on you because of the one error in judgment that you made, that if you could go back and unmake it, you would. And I just, I had to start here because I, I wonder how, how that would feel for you. I, I know it wouldn't feel real good for me. There was one book about my life and it was all about the one thing that I regretted doing, the, the, the one relationship that I, I regret pursuing, the one, the one mistake that I wish I would have never made. And I, I just wondered today, because I sensed the Holy Spirit put this on my heart, I, I wondered today how many people have been living in this, this place in your life where you've not been free for a really long time because of something you, you, you've done or, or somebody you've been with or like, like there's, a, there's a label that you've been carrying. There, there, there's an identity that you've picked up in your life. And, and so you're known as the divorcee in your family or you're known as the, 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 the black sheep in, in your house or you're, you're known as the, the, the addict or you're known as the, the person that can't be trusted or, or you're known as, I don't know, you can fill in the blank, but, but somewhere along the way you made a mistake and now you're known as. And I just believe that today the, the Holy Spirit wants to free some people and you're going to become maybe formally known as and then pretty soon nobody's even going to know you as that because God wants to do something in your life so powerful. People are going to forget where you've been and what you've done and you're, you're not going to even think about that anymore because God God's going to take even some of the biggest mistakes of your life, turn that thing around and redeem you in such a way. Listen, it's going to be absolutely incredible. How many of you would say, listen, if I could be free from wh where I've been, if I could be free free from what I've done, if I could walk away from some things and, and, and be free by the Spirit of God, man, I, I, want, I want that. I, I'm believing that for you today. Jonah ran from God, but, but he was a prophet of God. So most of the time, he did the right thing. One time, he did the wrong thing, and, and that's what the whole book of Jonah is about. He gets on a boat. He heads in the opposite direction that God is sending him. God sends a storm to get his attention. He gets tossed overboard into the sea, swallowed by a fish, lives for three days inside the belly of a fish. God commands the fish to spit him out. He spits him out, smells like puke. Now he gets to do what God told him to do because God's a God of second chances. 
And if you have trouble believing a story like this, let me just tell you, the reason I believe a story like this is because I believe that we serve such an unbelievable, incredible God that he can do so many things so far beyond our, our, our ability to reason or understand with the minds that he's given us. I'm glad that we don't serve a God that everything he does, it fits inside my ability to understand him. I'm glad that we serve an unbelievable God who can do immeasurably more than anything we could ask or dream or imagine. And this is one of those moments in the scripture where if you'd say, listen, it's hard for me to hang my hat on a story like this because it's just unbelievable. Well, can I introduce you today to the most unbelievable God who loves you, who has a plan and a purpose for your life. When he, when he talks to you, when he speaks of you, he starts not with your mistake, but he starts with, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. He doesn't call you by the label you put on you or somebody else has put on you. He doesn't look at you and only see a mistake or a failure or a screw up. He sees the plan and the purpose that he created you to live out. If you believe that, say amen. Jonah chapter three. Hear the word of the Lord today. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give to you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from greatest to least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation the king issued in Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let the animals and the people be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And when God saw, and I love, I love this because it's a good reminder to us, God sees what we want him to see, he sees what we don't want him to see, and still he doesn't give up on you or me. God sees, he saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways and he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction that he threatened. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what we need to see and hear today in Jesus' name. May your word convict us, comfort us, challenge us, change us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Speak to us right where we are, like only you can. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Come on one more time. Would you make some noise for Jesus today? Come on. I love the story of Jonah because I see a lot of me in, in Jonah. And uh, next week, if I could just plug next week's message, the fourth chapter of Jonah, I think next week's message is, is going to be the most powerful message in this entire series. Don't miss next week for anything. One of the, one of the things, one of the ways that I see myself in Jonah, maybe you, you'll see yourself in Jonah. So much of the church I see in Jonah. It's one of the reasons Jonah doesn't want to do what God's told him to do. It's not just because he fears the Ninevites because they're, they're evil, they're wicked, they're vile, they're, they, they destroy people they don't like. 
He's not just afraid of losing his life. He, he, he's really concerned that if he were to preach the message of good news to this people, if they were to repent, he's worried that God just might forgive them instead of destroy them the way he wants to see them destroyed. Anybody think, can, can anybody think of one person in your life, one person who's been in your life, they did you wrong, they hurt you, harmed you, talked about you, lied about you, walked out on you. One person, can anybody think of one person that it might make you feel just kind of good on the inside if this morning while they're eating their Captain Crunch, they choked on some crunch and just fell over and died. Come on, anybody, I know it's morbid, it's a, it's a morbid thought, but anybody think of one person? I hope you choke on that spoon today. I hope that chicken bone gets lodged inside your throat and you, nobody's there to see you suffer. Anybody? Now, I promise you, if I try hard enough, I can think of a whole lot of people. But that, that, that's not to say that's a good way of thinking. That's just to, to, to remind you, listen, I'm not, I'm not as good as God. God is a lot better than me. He's a lot better than you. And Jonah knows, God, you're better than me. So Jonah wants to see people destroyed by God because guess what? They deserve to be destroyed by God. They deserve to be judged by God. And so he's all about preaching a message of judgment against the people, but he's not really about God sending grace to this people should they decide to repent. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Some translations say again. Because not only is God giving Jonah a second chance, but God's giving the people of Nineveh more than a second chance. And I love, I love that some translations say the word of the Lord came to Jonah again because this is the kind of God we serve. When, when, when you screw up the first time, God's, God comes back at you a second time. When you screw up a second time, God's coming back a third time. When you, when you screw up a third time, he's coming back again. When you screw up for the 833rd time, he's coming back at you again and again and again. Why? Because he does not relent. Because he does not quit. Because God does not give up on people. Come on, somebody. He does not give up on people. Now, it's hard for us to understand that about God and to accept that about him because he's better than us. We give up on people. We do it all the time. But God does not give up on people. He's more patient than we give him credit. He's more forgiving and understanding than we are. And I think I just proved it to you with the Captain Crunch story. And what's amazing about God is he sees. But he doesn't just see what we want him to. He sees what we don't want him to in our own lives. And it's not just that he sees what the church sees and what we see going on in the world. He, he sees what just happened in El Paso. He sees what just happened in the city of Dayton, Ohio. He sees just like we see. And his heart is grieved just like our hearts grieve today. He sees all of the in injustice that we see. All of the hatred and racism and bigotry that we see. He sees every sick child that we see, but he sees beyond what we see. He sees every suffering person that the church overlooks. He sees every act of injustice that, that nobody else on the planet sees. He, he hears every ill-spoken word. 
He hears every lie spoken. He sees every act of abuse. He sees every hungry child laying their head down on a, on a, a, a rock, a, a pile of dirt tonight, feeling hopeless, like, like everybody's forgotten them. God sees what we see, and he sees what we don't see. And because of that, he gives us this incredible promise in the book of Revelation. Jesus says this, Behold, I am making everything new and right and beautiful and pure. He talks about in the book of Revelation, he says, listen, there, there's coming a day when, when, when there'll be no more weeping, no more crying, no, no more pain, no more sickness, no more anxiety, no more hatred, no more racism, no more injustice, no more death. Jesus says, I'm making everything new. I'm Everything wrong in the world, I'm making right. You can count on me. You can take this word to the bank, write these words down. They are trustworthy and they are true. He sees what we see and he sees what we miss. And he promises everything broken, everything sinful, everything sick, everything jealous and prideful, all the oppression and evil on the planet, in the world. He says, I'm doing away with all of it. You'll never feel fear again. You'll never be sick again. You'll never be sad again. You'll never get tired again. You'll never be mistreated again. You'll never be anxious again. But then I don't know if you've ever wondered if, if this is the, the promise that God gives all of us, what's the wait for? Like Jesus, if you're coming back, then don't you think now would be a good time to go ahead and come back to, to, to follow through on this promise? Go ahead and deliver what you've spoken. What's the hold up, Lord? And he tells us what it is in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Even though it seems to us like he's slow in keeping his promise, he's not slow. Instead, he is patient. He's patient. Not wanting anyone to perish, even the people that we'd like to see perish. God wants to see saved. He wants everyone to come to repentance. Like, God, why don't you wipe out suffering right now? Like, what's the holdup? Well, he knows that three days in the belly of a whale, this side of heaven, even though that suffering may feel like a lot longer than three days, he knows with an eternal perspective that life this side of heaven is, is short. It's, it's like a breath. You breathe it, it's gone. Your life is done here now. Three days in the belly of anything here now, Though it may feel like forever, it doesn't last forever. But life in eternity, apart from him, inside the belly of a whale, outside the presence of God. Now that's something he doesn't want anybody to experience. So he's sending Jonah to a people that Jonah's given up on. He's sending Jonah to a people that we probably would be given up on. Because he wants to give everybody the opportunity to choose him to be forgiven, set free, to be saved. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. And 
And as evil as they are and as vile as they are and as backwards as they are and as hurtful as they've been, why, why are you calling them, them great? Because God's not speaking to the character of this people. He's speaking to the potential of their calling. Aren't you glad when he looks at you? He doesn't, he doesn't just look at you and call you by your mistakes. He, he looks at you and he speaks to the potential of his calling on your life. God is speaking to the potential of their calling. And he sees that there are 120,000 people living inside a city. He wants to bring salvation once again to their doorstep. And so Jonah goes, he obeys the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. The Bible tells us that now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. So on the first day, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city. If you're reading this in your Bible with me, circle the word began. Or maybe it's the word started. Jonah started off into the city. It's the Greek word chalabout. And there are many words in the Hebrew and in the Greek, what the Bible was originally written in, that, 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 that we miss some of the meaning behind the words because we don't understand the language the way people hearing this or writing this or speaking this would have understood. It's not just that he started off. It's, it's not just that he began into the city. It's, 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 it's the word chalabal. And what it means is to untie from or to loosen yourself from something keeping you back. It's like he's, he's tied to the dock, but, but he's been called to, to sail out. He, he, he's tied down. Something's got him tied down. It is keeping him from walking into the calling that God has, has placed upon his life. And so in order for him to set off and to do what God has called him to do, he has to loosen himself from something. What is it that Jonah is loosening himself from? It's that, that in this moment he's, he's loosening himself from his own personal desire. He's untying himself from what he wants to see happen to the people of Nineveh. He's, he's loosening himself from his own wants and desires and his own will. And he's submitting himself fully to the will and the purpose of God. And here's what I know about you. That God has called you and he has purposed you. And whether you know it or you're just starting to figure it out or you're going to figure it out. Here's what happens when, when you're called by God. There are going to be some things in your life that, that, are, that are, are tying you down and keeping you from walking in the freedom that God has called you to walk in. And, and, and there are some relationships in your life. Maybe it's an addiction or maybe it's some sort of anxiety or fear or, or some label that has been put on you or, or you've put on yourself that are going to keep you from walking in the power of the Holy Spirit of God that he has for your life. And when you want to follow him and begin to realize that he's called you, you're going to have to untie yourself from some things. You're going to have to loosen yourself from, from some things or, or, or trust and allow the, the Holy Spirit of God to go to work inside your, your, your life to, to free you from some things that may be holding you back. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's language. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's unbelief. I don't know what it is for you. But I wonder, is there something holding you back, keeping you from walking in the fullness of the freedom of God for your life? 
keeping you from living his full potential for your life. You know, one of the small things that I've, I've learned that I need to untie myself from as, as a pastor is the need to control things. Anybody just like to control stuff? Come on, somebody. Like, anybody just like to be that person? You notice all the details? You like to know about everything and see everything, and you, you, you love that. Like, it's, it's good to be in control, but then, then you start a church, and you go multi-site, and you, you offer 899 services every weekend, and, and it's like you can't be in all of them at the same time. You can't see everything. you got thousands of volunteers serving. You can't know everybody. And I've learned that, that listen, if, if we're going to be the church that I, I'd like us to be because I can control it all, then, then let's just break up and I'll take like 20 of you and we can meet in my house and that can be the church. But if I want to be a part of a church that God wants to see in our city, I've got to learn to untie myself from the need to control some things. And I've got to trust that his Holy Spirit can do a lot better job leading this thing than I can. I wonder what it is for you. Jonah unties himself. He begins to go into the city. And here's the message that he proclaims. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And it's a message he's excited to preach. Come on, while everybody else is tiptoeing around the gospel, Jonah's like, oh, I can't wait. If I'm going to preach a message... Then it's going to be this one. How, how many of you think it'd be real, real good? Like it, 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 it would help some people if the church would be just every once in a while a little bit more direct and potentially offensive when it comes to the gospel. Because there's just a lot of tiptoeing around people. You, you know, when I read the Bible, I look at Jesus. He wasn't offended. He wasn't worried about offending people. He he would rather he would rather tell you the truth because the truth is going to set you free than to worry about your feelings all in the moment. Because, listen, your feelings are going to change, but the truth of Jesus Christ, it does not change. Come on, somebody. And so I know there's a lot of tiptoeing around the gospel and we don't want to offend people. I think the church would do well to be just a little bit more blunt and indirect and potentially offensive every once in a while. So I'm thinking Jonah's excited about this. Like, you're going to be in 40 days... You're going to be overturned 40 more days, and you'll be overthrown. Now, again, the word in the original language, it's got a double meaning. He's not thinking about the second half of this meaning, the potential meaning of this word. He's thinking about the first half. It's a word, the word hippoc, and what it means is it can either mean you're going to be overturned and destroyed, or you'll be overturned and forever changed. I want you to think about the prophetic declaration that God has sent Jonah to speak to this people. He's saying, 40 days, you decide. Do you want to be overturned and destroyed? Or do you want to be overturned, broken in the presence of your creator so that you can be remade restored, renewed, and forever changed by the God who created you. It's your decision to make. Now, that's an important word. How many of you know that in order to be used by God, you're going to have to be broken by him first? Any, anybody figured that out yet? Anybody following Jesus for a minute and you're like, dang, what you doing, Lord? He's, he's reminding you that you're not as whole as you think you are. And he's reminding you that, that you can't do what he's called you to do apart from him. 
And so one of the prerequisites of being greatly used by God is you're going to have to be greatly broken. Is, is I'm, My whole life is going to be overturned. Why? Not so that you destroy me. I don't want that. I've chosen you, Lord. It's, it's so that you can, you can break me to pieces and then you can put all the pieces back together the way you see fit so that I can actually be whole and used by you. So he's come with the word that destruction is coming to the people of Nineveh, if that's what you want. You can be destroyed if that's what you want. But salvation is coming if that's what you want. It's the same prophetic word that God sends to his own people in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, when he said, I've set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now, what I'd like for you to do is choose life, but I'm an honoring God, so I'm going to honor your decision. Because forcing you to love me is not love. And I love you enough to not force you to love me. I'm I'm giving you the opportunity to choose. But it's your decision, 40 days to decide life or death. You see, God's mercy is unlimited in what it offers, but it is limited, church, in when it's offered. Notice Jonah's not here saying as many days as you want and then you decide. He said 40 days you decide. It is a limited time offer to be saved. God doesn't give up on anybody. He's patient. He doesn't want anybody to perish. So he gives everybody the opportunity to turn to him. But 40 days, when 40 days is up for you, for me, it's over. When you see heaven, it's too late. The Bible tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, when you see heaven there, you're going to wish that you'd have chosen heaven here. Because if you don't choose heaven here, you'll see it there, but you won't get in. Forty days to decide. Do I want to live my life in eternity with with you, God, or or do I want to go my own way and be destroyed forever? Do I want to be changed forever, or do I want to be destroyed forever? I, I don't know how long your 40 days is going to last, but I know that it's not going to be very long for any of us. I know the people in Dayton last night wasn't expecting their 40 days to be up. I know the people in El Paso wasn't expecting their 40 days to be up. You see, in order for Jesus to make good on his promise to rid the world of sickness and sin, he's got to do away with anything and everything full of sickness and sin. There is no place for sickness and sin in the presence of God, in his dwelling place, in heaven, the place that he's prepared for us. If there is no more sickness, no more sin, no more suffering, no more worry, no more anger, no more hatred, no more oppression, no more injustice, then then that stuff can't go with us to heaven. And the only one who can rid you, me, of all that destroys you, me, sin, it is Jesus. Either you can choose him or you will choose your own way and come up short. His mercy is unlimited in what it offers. It's available to anyone at any time, anywhere, here now. But there's a timetable. Forgiveness is a limited time offer. 
If you're living and you're breathing today, which you are right now or you wouldn't be here, there is grace for you. One moment of repentance and you are forgiven through and through. But the decision is yours. Because we've all sinned. We all need him. Here, here are the final few notes. And if you're taking notes today, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And sin affects everybody everywhere all the time. We live in a world decaying in sin. Why? Because sin destroys everything it touches and everyone who touches it. And we see it happening all around us. The wage of sin is death. That's why we feel the way we do. That, that's why we see what we see. That, that's why there's so much hopelessness and brokenness in the world. And the impact of, of sin, it, it can either be limited or it can be unlimited in your life. For those who call upon the name of Jesus, for those who are forgiven of their sin and who trust Jesus with your life. Listen, the, the effect of sin is limited to here now, this side of heaven. And soon you will see what Jesus promised. But for those who never call upon the name of Jesus, for those who have not been forgiven in Christ here now, the, the impact of your sin, it is unlimited in nature, it forever separates you from the Lord. That's what sin does. Sin separates, sin kills, sin destroys. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved from sin to life. The Bible says that the Ninevites believed God. And Jonah, you'll see next week, he gets so upset that the Ninevites believed God. It, it would be like if we took a missions trip, and nobody would, would have believed, by the way, that the Ninevites believed. It would be like if we took a missions trip to, to Las Vegas and, and came back and, and reported that, that every strip club and every casino in Vegas just got turned into a church. Come on. You, you know, nobody would believe that. It's like Charlie Sheen is our new kids pastor. Nobody would believe that. <laughs> R. Kelly's our middle school pastor. Nobody would. Too soon, too soon. Okay. But I made my point. I made my point. That's what people would have said. The Ninevites believed. Ninevites did not believe. No, they, they believed. No, no, no. They, they deserve to be destroyed. No, no. They believed. What's this whole sackcloth issue? What's all the talk about putting on sackcloth? Why, why, why was a fast proclaimed? Watch, watch this. A fast was proclaimed. All of them. The, even, the, even the animals were forbidden to eat. <laughs> and the king issues this proclamation. He says, by the decree of the king, nobody's going to eat. No animal's going to eat. But let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Sackcloth is a is a, 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 like a goat's hair material. It's, it's like a burlap material. It's itchy. It stinks. It, nobody would want to wear it. You'd be chafing all over the place. It'd be terrible. But it was meant as like this, hey, if, it, if this hurts to put on on the outside and it scratches me out here and it stinks out here, I just, this, this is meant to describe what I know I look like on the inside and how I feel on the inside. The king, he leaves his throne of power and he, he gets down into this 
pile of dirt because he knows even as king that he's just in, as in need of forgiveness as anybody else in his kingdom. And so that they're, they're putting on the, the sackcloth. They're, they're humbling themselves. They're saying we're not worthy to be seen as as whole because we're not. We're not worthy to, we're, I'm not trying to put on face today. Like I just, I want you to know I'm not worthy. I need, I need God. I need to be forgiven. And so he says, let everyone call urgently upon God. Watch this. Let them give up their evil ways and, and, and turn from their violence. Even this wicked king understands it's not enough to simply say you believe. Come on, faith without works isn't faith. Even this wicked king understands, no, no, no. Repentance means to turn away from sin and toward God. Even the demons believe and shudder at the name of Jesus. He's saying we need to turn from our wicked ways. We, we need to change some things in our life. Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger that we will not perish. Maybe it's true for God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son that, that whoever really means whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Think about the proclamation of the prophet and the proclamation of the king. And I, I consider myself not a prophet or a king. But I think about the, the proclamation of Jonah, and I, I, I feel like we need to declare that same word today. Forty days you have to decide. If you've not chosen Jesus here now, the clock is ticking. And when you see him and when you get there, it's going to be too late. You'll be looking in, but you won't be able to get in. His grace is enough for you. It's unlimited in what it offers you. It's available to anyone, anywhere, no matter what you've done or who you've been. There's a time limit, 40 days you have to decide. And I believe there are some people here today. This is a decision moment for you. You're living your life on your own terms. and You're coming up empty. You're coming up short. God has a better life for you to live. It's a forgiven life. It's a life where he puts his spirit inside of you. It's a life where you know you've been forgiven of every sin, of every misstep, of every mistake, of every misdeed. And I'm calling on you to repent and turn to Jesus because he's the only one who can set you free. Jesus is the only one who can save you. But I also want you to hear the, the declaration of this king. As pastor of this church, I feel like I also need to call the church to repentance. And I'm going to start with me. I want you to hear me today. Before you and before God. That Lord, I repent as pastor of this church. For not always leading the way I'm supposed to lead falling short for not always loving people the way they deserve to be loved the way you love them Lord forgive me for giving up on people forgive me for pushing people away too many times 
Forgive me for not always standing with the oppressed and the hurting. Forgive me for my indifference, for my hollow worship. Sometimes I just go through the motions. And I need to call the church to repentance because we don't always get it right. And we don't always use our voice. Sometimes when we do use our voice, it's not for the right things. And we hurt a lot of people. Lord, forgive us. May we do better. May we trust you more. Forgive us for not always living in the fullness of your plan for us. Forgive us for falling short. Forgive us for missing the mark. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. If you, you fall into that first category of people, you don't know if you've been forgiven, you've not called upon the name of Jesus. He's, he's not being intolerant. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he's not being intolerant. He, he's not trying to be hard on anybody. He's just telling us the truth. Jesus said, I've prepared a place for you. And it's the home that, that you'll dwell in for forever and ever and, and ever and ever. And he says, I am the way. I'm the only way. He just He's giving you specific instructions because he loves you. He doesn't want you to miss it. And anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. And if that's you here now, would you just pray with me? Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me the unrighteousness in my life. I trust that you are who you say you are. That you died for me, rose to life for me. And now you're bringing me to life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Jesus. Lead me daily by your presence, your word. May I live my life for you and make a difference for you. In Jesus' name. as we continue to pray right now come on the church needs to repent there's some things that we need to be untied from in Jesus name and right now the, the spirit of God he's beginning some untying what is it that's been holding you back what is it that you need to let go of what is it you need to walk away from what is it you need freedom? Where do you need freedom in your life? Would you just tell them right now? And say, Jesus, whatever I need to do, show me, I'll do it. But, but I know that only goes so far. I'm trusting the work of your Holy Spirit to lift the heavy weight of this thing in my life. I'm trusting you to do the hard work. Forgive me. Forgive us. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for what you're doing in this city. It's incredible what we get to be a part of. And we're grateful for you, your presence, the peace that we can have even when the world around us is shaking and turning. We love you. 
We trust you. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Come on, would you make some noise one more time for Jesus? Come on, let's celebrate him today.